Praise God, praise God, praise the Lord. Amen. Great to see you in the house. God is good. Thank you, Father. Oh, excitement in the house. There's a real buzz in the air. I can feel it. Pastor Julie's in God in the City. Julie, you did so well. Thank you for that. I do anticipate the house of God filling. That is the spirit filled, the churches that are speaking something relevant and powerful and uh, something that will help people with their, uh, I call it a predicament. We're all in a predicament on planet Earth at the moment. Uh, didn't feel like that in the 70s. It was all just fun and, fun and games. Uh, 80s was, yeah, uh, sobering up a bit. 90s, ooh, and, and so it goes. So this, these are the days we're in. Signs and wonders, earthquakes, rumors of wars. Um, it's all happening. Uh, and of course now the Middle East is uh, a real uh, topic of... Um, I guess, interest, and then the shock waves are being felt uh, all over the earth, and, and we can't help that. It's, it's Bible. Uh, the center of, all, center of it all is Jerusalem. I want to talk about that. I do want to hand out why we, why we need to pray for Jerusalem, and that is a, um, a handout that I think we'll email. Um, and so, why is it essential that we love and pray for Jerusalem, this uh, Mike Bickle who's one of the uh, great men of God on the planet uh, that, that talks about the intimacy of God and, and just truly being humble and, and, you know, transparent with the Lord. Uh, but he called a 21-day uh, prayer fast, I think it was about three months ago, around Easter, 21 days for Israel in particular because he sensed that things were lining up. And, and at that time, he said, I haven't done this for 40 years, not since the 80s. And he announced, he thought just to his people of influence of, um, that we should pray for Israel. But no, because uh, Mike Bickle is so revered and, and trusted, uh, respected I should say, um, that went out and every intercessory group on the planet joined with that. And, and yours truly and Julie and, and people in that church and you too, because I brought you along with the ride, whether you fasted or not. But we, we truly did fast for 21 days uh, for that because I thought it was so, so important, so pertinent that we did. And so I, I, I have not given a message like this in 27 years of the life of the church. Uh, and I think I need to basically throw the gauntlet down of what we think about Israel and Jerusalem. And, uh, and, and, uh, and I'll give you my personal view and you can agree with that or not. Uh, I know that there is um, a thing called uh, replacement theology, that we're all Israel now. Well, I don't subscribe to that. I'll be on record right now. I do not subscribe to that. I believe Israel is a prophetic nation that God will visit supernaturally. They will get saved and cause a massive revival worldwide, a billion-soul harvest, and it depends on Israel, and there's plenty of scriptures to back that up. I can't get right into the whole subject, and I don't want to, but I just want to be bold enough to just to make statements that will bring us along and help us all uh, maybe, uh, I, I, I guess, debrief from these really terrible events of last Saturday, I believe, and... Um, and I think this message will be sobering. Look, the Bible says in Isaiah 55 uh, that his word goes out. So I, I, I want to speak some word, but I want to be testimonial. And I, and, I, I, and I believe as that word goes out, that that word will not return void, that it will be effective to bless you, to bless this house. And already this week, because I've been mindful of Israel, I just feel the favor of God. It's the Genesis 12 Verse 1, 2, if you bless Israel, you'll be... Where do we get the saying, blessed to be a blessing? It's from Genesis chapter 12. It's that covenantal blessing to God's people. Uh, that if you bless them, you will be blessed. If you curse them, you're going to get cursed. So I, I, I wouldn't like to be one of those people who are messing with God's people. Because they're, they're going to get it, man. The judgment's coming on them. Amen? 
But I just feel, um, and I just want to just loosen up here a little bit, I just feel that my, I was praying coming into church and I, I, I like to fast in the morning, I don't do breakfast, and I, I take this uh, role very serious, uh, leading God's people uh, to the greener pastures of the throne of grace. Um, I too take it very personal, I do my Sabbath on a Saturday actually, uh, and I'm in the presence and I'm, I'm you know, in, in the flow of what God is truly wanting to say to this church. And I'm trying to apprehend that, I'm trying to download that. And then, of course, uh, in doing that, I, I, yesterday I felt, wow, now something's, uh, man, I'm feeling like there's grace on me to speak this subject. I feel like I'm born to, to give this message. I really feel like I've been assigned to give it. And I want to give some history why I feel, feel like that. Because my father was actually in the Middle East uh, in the war. And, um, you know, when the Palestinian kids would try and come through, he was in the RAF, uh, Royal Air Force, uh, and he was serving in Palestine, Egypt, um, and of course, they, their compounds were secured uh, back then, uh, but the Palestinian kids would run the gauntlet of bringing dates out to the, to the servicemen, and they would be shot at, but they would come, and, and Dad thought this, my father thought this was, wow, why would you risk your life to sell a few dates? And he always obliged them. He always, sold, he always uh, bought a few dates off them and looked them in the eye. And he said to me, these kids were precious. These, these kids were just so, so, you know, God's creation, so precious. And, um, you know, we shouldn't be shooting at them. But that was the, you know, the predicament they were in. But he couldn't help himself. He'd buy some dates off them and see them run, dodging bullets, and so I want to talk about the sanctity of life, I want to talk about Israel, and I want to talk about why, uh, basically, we need to pray and be mindful, at least, of Israel. Is that cool, guys? Yeah. And, I, and I, then we'll send an email out. Jelly says the best way to do, do this is send an email out. Why is it so essential to, that we love, even, and pray for Israel? And, uh, and I'll tell you... And I'll just try and do some show and tell on the run too. But there's a lot of words in this. Um, I think I've got this right, um, Kobe. Hi? Is it hi? C-H-A-I? It's a symbol that they use, hi, uh, meaning life. Is that right? Say it again. Is it lahai, is it? Yeah, I'm going to... Can I just say hi? Lahai, because... Uh, it, it's a word that they use in Israel because uh, Kobe actually lived in Israel for two years, uh, just by amazing sheer providence of God, I call it, not, not coincidence, but she ended up there two years in a kibbutz. Now, does anyone know what a kibbutz is? It's a community where they share, it's like a commune, they, they don't do money, they just work and, and, and it's this equality thing, I'll tease that out a little bit too what that is, but two years in a kibbutz, and, and uh, yeah, we, we might need you to help us with this. So that word is the title of my message, C-H-A-I, uh, religions and cultures usually place an emphasis on the significance of life, is that true? The symbolic, symbolic meaning of high, C-H-A-I, um, is, is derived from this um, Judaism uh, culture where it's generally regarded by basic principles which include uh, kindness, thoughtfulness, selflessness, and remaining good natures, but, but both morally and ethically what you do during your life. That, that, that's the guts of that symbolic meaning of this word I'm trying to pronounce. I'll call it high. Uh, say it again loud, Kobe. All right, so let me explain the sanctity of life, which I hope you're big on, I am, it's the sacredness of life, and so I, I'm, I'm, and, and I'm just, these are some statements that I need to just put in. The doctrine of the sanctity of life has traditionally been characterized as the Judeo-Christian doctrine, so the Judeo-Christian lifestyle that we know, that have known for many years until probably the last 10 years where it's being threatened from 
the mountains of influence, academia in particular, the universities. Can I talk like this? The universities are teaching our kids to, to rebuff the Judeo-Christian uh, values that we have, the culture that we have, the moral absolutes. Now we have moral relativity. We have moral uh, relative truth. Whatever truth is to you, so be it. If you think that cat is a dog, that is completely fine. If you think black is white, that is completely fine. And the Bible actually says there will come a time when they'll say good is bad, bad is good. And it's actually happening. So this beautiful Judeo-Christian uh, lifestyle that we've had, that is a, a doctrine almost, it's a cultural, uh, for, the, for, the, for the Jews and Hebrews, it's, it's a real cultural um, center for them. Of course, you know that abortion and euthanasia are assumed to be uh, violent to that doctrine. I'm going to say some things that will, I just need to say them and you can take them. Our Bible says human life is sacred and human life has a soul. The Word declares this. You are a soul that has a body. You are not a body that has a soul. <laughs> Do you want to hear me? You are a soul that has a body. So, what does it mean to believe in the sanctity of life? Let's uh, look at this, Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let, them, uh, let me just, just pull, pull up there, image. What's that image? No, we don't look like God. Roger Beard does not look like God in the sense of his physical... <laughs> He's close, very close. <laughs> his physical attributes are not the thing we're talking about. The image is this, that we have intelligence, we're way smarter than, than the animal kingdom, uh, we have a moral compass, animals don't have a moral compass, we have a consciousness, a conscience that speaks to us, an innate consciousness that speaks to us, that you can shut down and see your consciousness, but we have a consciousness that tells us if that's right or if that's bad, amen? And we have this ability to commune by the Spirit and hear God, speak to God, and worship God. Who agrees with that? That's the image that we're talking about. Can I get an agreement? Some people just never agree. I'm still not convinced. You might think you're an alien. I'm not sure. Some people do. Human life, I'm not going to read the rest, but there it is. It's in Genesis 1.26, 1.27. Human life has an inherently sacred attribute that should be protected and respected at all times. Can I get an agreement on that? While God gave humanity the authority to kill and eat other forms of life, Genesis 9.3, the murdering of human beings is expressly forbidden with the penalty of death. Back in the Old Testament, Genesis 9, 9 verse 6. And let me just say this. Humanity was created in God's image, but sin has corrupted that image, and we see that. There is nothing inherently sacred in fallen man. The sanctity of human life is not due to the fact that we are so wonderful and such good beings. The only reason the sanctity of life applies to humanity is the fact that God created us in his image and set us apart from other forms of life. Can I get an amen? Although that, that, although that image has indeed been marred by sin, his image is still present in you and I. Mm. Oh, mm. We are like God, and that likeness means that human life is always to be treated with dignity and respect. Amen? This is, this is, is going to be a great sermon to get an amen in. If you haven't given an amen by the end of this, well, you're unmovable. The sanctity of life means that humanity is more sacred than the rest of creation. 
Human life is not only in the same sense that God, hang on, human life is not holy in the same sense that God is holy. Human life. Human life is only holy in the sense of being set apart from all other life created by God. Amen? Amen. The sanctity of life should motivate us to combat all forms of evil and injustice that are perpetrated against human life. Things like violence, abuse, oppression, human trafficking, terrorism, and many other evils that are a violation to the sanctity of life. Our prophet, now I don't usually call Jesus prophet, but he is, our prophet and Messiah, Jesus said, Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Am I doing all right at the moment? In these commandments, we see that our actions are to be motivated by love for God and love for others. If we love God, we will value our own lives as part of God's plan to do His will until it comes about that His will is better served even unto death. Oh, and we will love and care for his people. And you can see that in Galatians 6.10. Do good to others, it says. Especially the family of believers. Colossians 3.12, verse 12 to 15. Let's read that together if we can. We need to have some audience participation. Colossians. Thank you, Lord. This is helping us with the subject of the sanctity of life. Colossians 3. Uh, well, I, I, I guess I should read it from there because it might be a different. I think it's the New King James. Therefore, as the elect of God, and you can say it with me, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, stop, there are 52, I think, one another's in the New Testament, one another. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. 14. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. We're going to do the communion at the end and we're going to talk about one body. Meaning we will see the needs of the elderly, the sick, we will protect others from harm, whether from abortion, euthanasia, human trafficking, terrorism or any other abuse. While the sanctity of life can be the foundation, love must be the motivation. Can I hear an amen? John 15, 13, great love has no one than this, that they lay down one's life for his friends. We saw that in the Anzacs. We saw that with our service people. We saw that with the fire brigade, um, any, the police force, all, all these wonderful people that serve our community and lay their life down for others. And we are, just to say, so saddened and grieved for the shocking events of last Saturday. And it was a Sabbath day for the Jewish people of the Hamas fighters who crossed the border of the Gaza Strip into Israel, terrorized and butchered human life, young and old, living peacefully in villages of the kibbutzes. They're the communities I want to tell you about in Israel, right near the Gaza Strip. I'm talking about, yes, the Hamas fighters who crossed the border, killed more than 1,300 Israeli people, kidnapped at least 150 and I'm sure you're affected by it. Julie and I are. We've been really grieved all week. Julie and I stayed in Bahram kibbutz, same kibbutz as Kobe did all those years ago, uh, before she came back to Australia and met the 
man of dreams. And so it was, I think, in northern Israel. It wasn't so close to the Gaza Strip, but it was 300 meters from Israel's border with Lebanon. We could, in the Golan Heights, we could hear the bombs going off. And yes, there's 300 members, 250 children. I think there's photos going up of a kibbutz, a big family communal dining room. We met, we ate with the, um, the people in a huge dining room. And yes, young men in their 20s were manning each point of entry with prams, kids, with a rifle. We're doing dinner, but everyone was on a roster. Everyone was on a roster to man the entry points. And so, yes, it's near one of the oldest synagogues in, in, near the National Park. Imba Lieberman, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, she's uh, in one of these kibbutzes, another kibbutz. Uh, she's 25, led, and she realized something was not right, and she was, uh, she was uh, alert enough, and, and she realized, my Lord, no, this, this is not right. Being a leader at heart and having a role to defend that kibbutz, she organized um, a bunch of the residents to defend the kibbutz. Two dozen advancing terrorists while defending the kibbutz uh, a mile, literally this place is a mile from the Gaza Strip. She's being hailed as a hero for saving many lives, and we can put photos of her up there if you like, being hailed as a hero. She's in that photo of the four of them, She's the one uh, second on the left, if that goes up. She's being hailed as a hero, saving many lives in the kibbutz. His, Israel woman, Imba Lieberman, is hailed a hero for saving the kibbutz near, uh, near Am. Near Am, do you know that one? Um, and she protected it, and she laid her life down in the end. But I, I can't go into the details, but she, did, she, she, defended, she defended her family, her community, to the point of death. I wonder what our youth are, are being trained up to do. I mean, I mean, I hope they're at least praying and uh, I hope they're able to defend um, human life, the sanctity of life at the end of the day. I want to declare today we stand with Israel and stand against the genocidal terrorist organization called uh, Hamas. Uh, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. You can see that. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, the Bible says in, in, in Ephesians chapter 6. Um, we are not fighting against flesh and blood. Jewish babies slaughtered in cold blood, anti-Semitism, mass gatherings all over the place, just erupting in ugliness. I was in Liverpool, Westfields on uh, Friday, I think it was. Uh, Nathan and I went down to grab some of the new sound system. Um, and every point of entry of Westfields were, had guards on it. And I realized that the demographic there uh, was there was, was way different than here. Um, so, yeah, th this is beyond some political bun fight. Uh, and, and let's continue. I, we and I, especially and Julie and I, we gladly support and pray for Jerusalem. Amen. Um, I, I like this. It says, Dear world, there are disagreements and conflicts. That's one thing. Then there's good and evil. That's another thing. So we need to learn the difference or pay the price of ignorance or deception. So evangelist Greg Laurie says, when I, Why I stand by the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. And he says, pull the camera back on what is happening in Israel. This is not about Palestine or the Palestinian people. This is even bigger than Hamas and Israel. Plain and simple, this is about the hatred of the Jewish people. This goes back centuries. Egypt wanted to destroy the Jews when Pharaoh gave the order to murder the Jewish baby boys, Exodus 1. Ancient Persia, modern Iran, wanted to eradicate the Jews through the wicked plot of Haman, Esther chapter 3. Fast forward, Adolf Hitler had his final solution to destroy the Jewish people with ultimately murdering over 6 million people in the Holocaust. Now we have this wicked terrorist group, Hamas, committing murders and unthinkable atrocities toward Jewish women, children, and even babies in Israel. It's pure evil, guys. 
But God always intervenes. It raises up Moses. He raised up Moses to deliver the Jews from Pharaoh and Egypt. He raised up a queen, Esther. <laughs> Do you love that? What's your favorite um, scripture in Esther? Um, for you are born for such a time as this, Esther. For you are born to be a deliverer of God's people. You are born, people. You are born on this earth in the image of God. You are born to make a difference. You're not born just to goof off on the planet. This is not wonderland. This, is, this life is real, brutally real, and you know that already. We have an an inherent responsibility to pray like Queen Esther had, was. Um, after the Holocaust, God raised up the Jews themselves to return to their homeland and become a nation again on May the 14th, 1948. But why is this hatred for the Jewish people? Answer, Satan hates what God loves. God loves and chose the Jews as his very own people. This is why we don't believe in replacement theology. We believe in the nation of Israel. The scripture says, and God gives the reason himself, uh, and I hope the scripture goes up, the Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than the other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. Rather, it was simply that the Lord loves you and he was keeping the oath he had sworn to your ancestors. That is why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Deuteronomy 7, verse 7 to 8. Anti-Semitism is from the pit of hell. Can we agree to that? I'm not Jewish. You're probably not either. But as a Gentile and believer in Jesus Christ, we have been grafted in to the promise given to the Jewish people by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Romans 11 declares that. From the Jews came our Bible. Lift your Bible up. That's from the Jews. From the Jews came our Messiah, and we owe them a great debt, and now we must pray for them as a nation and people, Greg Laurie says. Again, God gave them this homeland that they return to as a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. They have every right and responsibility to defend themselves from this evil that has come upon them like a violent storm from hell itself. Scripture tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalm 122, verse 6. Let's do this together. I also pray that a great spiritual awakening will sweep the Holy Land and that many, both Jews and, and Palestinians, will come to Christ. I stand by the Israeli people and I believe we should too. We pray for the Israel people, but we also feel in our heart, and I'm sure for the Palestinian people who have nothing to do with the Hamas and are suffering because of the Hamas's pure evil. Dear Heavenly Father, you're the creator of us all. As humans, we're sinful creatures and we need to bow the knee to you, my Lord and Savior. You have an agenda, you have a plan, and the whole world will see your magnificent presence. But until that day, we will stand for Israel in obedience to you. Amen? Thank you for the precious gift of the cross. Amen? The death, burial, and resurrection in Jesus' name. And can I get an amen? amen? So God's speaking to Israel, his chosen people, at a time of great adversity. Jeremiah 29, verse 11, and you should know this scripture, and you should be giving it away every day as far as I'm concerned. I met a lady in Westfields. We were trying to find our way to the Westpac Bank, and, um, and, and, and I saw a lady that looked friendly to, to ask, uh, a lady in her 50s, I said, do you know where the Westpac Bank is? She paused and she thought to herself, ah, yes, I do. Go around the corner and go, this, this is great. I said, wow, is that your, maybe your mother there? She, and she got all elated and she said, it is my mother. And uh, she's 98 years of age. I went, wow. I paused. Now, we're on mission to the bank. But have you got one minute just to pause for someone that's born 98 years ago? In Peru, tiny little lady, tiny. And I said, where are you born? She said, Peru. Well, 
my Lord. I leaned in just like that. My Lord, I'm so privileged to meet with you. Can I, you know, can I, can I pray? And, I, and we blessed her. I said, bless you, God. And, and I realized that, was, that lady I had asked was her daughter. And then her sister came in closer. Then it was the three of them, the two sisters and the mother. They were so overjoyed to get a blessing. I said, sorry, guys, but I've got to go. But I just love that. You can really have beautiful moments like that. I was going to talk about how precious that day was. The enemy's so diabolical. It was the last day of Sukkot. Uh, help me, was it the 7th of um, October last Saturday? 7th? Was it the 7th? This atrocity happened? Uh, uh, yeah. And it, was, it did mark the 50 years since the Yom Kippur War when they invaded a coalition of Arab armies poured into Israel. Surprise attacked on Yom Kippur. just happened to be on that same day, 50 years later. And uh, guess what? They had miracle after miracle. They thwarted that attack through miracle. And there's a lot of great stories about miracles. But can I just play that one-minute video about Jerusalem? Thanks, guys. It goes for one minute. Make no mistake about it, the conflict that's taking place right now in the Middle East has everything to do with one city, it's Jerusalem, and one 14-acre parcel of land in Jerusalem called Temple Mount. That's what this battle is over. And it's not political, it's spiritual, because that mountain is the place that Abraham was willing to offer his son. That mountain is the place that God promised, I will provide my own land. That mountain is the place that David offered worship and God said, someone from your body will sit on the throne and reign from this mountain forever and ever. That was the mountain that Solomon built a temple that God's glory filled it. And that mountain is the, is the mountain that God said, I'm going to establish my throne and rule and reign over the nations of the earth forever and ever. And this city, Jerusalem, is the city that I have chosen for myself, that heaven and earth are going to merge and rule the universe from that place. It's the throne room that God has said, that's my throne. That's where I'm going to set my throne. And because of that, the devil hates it and wants to possess it and occupy it. He knows if, if, that, if he ever loses control of that, he knows his days are done when that happens. Make no mistake about it, the conflict... So Genesis 12, verse 1, you can see how Jerusalem is so important. The throne of God is going to be placed there. God is going to, Jesus is going to rule for a thousand years from there. See how it's important for Jerusalem. Um, we walked through there. We visited there. There's something on that place, let me tell you. Uh, there is a real, a real sense of um, occasion, a sense of grace all over the place. Genesis 12, 1, you know the story, Abraham was called out, the Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I'll show you, the land was Jerusalem, yes it's the promised land, but the land was Jerusalem, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing, now this is a key, this is a real key, I, I, I would recommend just start throwing up some prayers for Israel because it could really bless you in return, that if you pray for Israel, and the Jews, you could get this scripture, and it is the scripture where we talk about blessed to be a blessing. I will make you into a great nation. Uh, I said that verse three. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And that's for the Hamas, that one. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Uh, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through Israel. Did you get that? And all the peoples will be blessed. We've got to see Israel blessed, saved. And there's scriptures around that. So Romans 11, 11, again I ask, did they stumble, the, the, you know, the Jewish people, did they stumble so as to fall beyond recovery? Question mark. Not at all. Rather, because of their transgressions, salvation has come to the Gentiles. That's us. Anyone outside of the, the Jewish nation is us, the Gentiles, to make Israel envious. We're supposed to make Israel envious about the lifestyle we have, guys. We're supposed to make them envious how blessed we are, how, how good we are, how, how, how loving we are, how compassionate we are. The Jews are supposed to be looking at us and saying, wow, we, we need to get saved. This new covenant is a real deal. Verse 12, but if the transgression means riches for the world 
and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater the riches will their full inclusion bring? I need to explain that. It's talking about the riches of the covenant that eventually will come through, uh, has come through the covenant, the new covenant, and that will come through Israel. So the salvation of the, the Gentiles was intended by God to provoke the Jews to jealousy, exciting them to seek and claim a share in the blessings. We were supposed to get them excited to share in the new covenant. You know what I'm saying? But this hasn't happened because of a series of events. Let me just give you one short story. In Luke chapter 7, a centurion's servant was healed by Rabbi Jesus of Nazareth, who, being an observer of the Jew, Jewish religion, would not enter the house of the Gentile. Now, I'm not going to read the, the, the scriptures, but you, I hope you know the story. The Roman centurion asked the Jewish elder what he could do to get Jesus of Nazareth to enter his house and pray for his sick servant, the, the, the Gentile. The elders went to Jesus, the elders went to Jesus, the Jews went to Jesus and pled with him earnestly saying that the Roman centurion deserved to be helped. And it says that in Luke chapter 7 verse 1 to 10, it's the whole story. Why did he deserve to be helped? The elders said to Jesus, the Jewish people said to Jesus, for he, the centurion, loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Verse 5, the point is... A practical act of kindness on the part of the Gentile provoked Jesus to enter the centurion's house, not literally, but we know he just spoke it and it happened, the servant was healed, enter his house with healing, fulfilling Jesus' covenant with Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, Genesis 12. That's another great uh, learning um, yeah, point from that whole story. The tragedy, the tragedy of history has been that for 2,000 years, recognized Christianity has not provoked Jews to jealousy by their kindness, but has produced a harvest of hatred that caused the Jewish people to recoil, recoil in fear from those who waged war beneath the cross. Events like this. We need to be real. And so the Bible says in Ephesians 4, that the apostles and the prophets, pastors, teaching the vows are for the equipping of the saints to bring them into maturity. I feel like this is that, that you're being brought up into community, uh, into maturity, to understand some of the bigger, bigger scope of what we're dealing with as Christians. And this is why the Jews are recoiling back from us and going, you kidding? We don't want to join that, those guys. Why? Because when the Roman Catholic Crusaders entered the city of Jerusalem in 1099, they trapped more than 900 Jewish women and children in their synagogue and burnt them alive while they sang, Christ, we adore thee. Or then the 20th century, six million Jews threw Adolf Hitler systematically slaughtering the Jews. And this statement, it's time for Christianity to reach out to Jewish brothers and sisters, demonstrating the unconditional love of God, which is what St. Paul commanded in Romans 15, 27. For if the Gentiles had been partakers of their spiritual things, the Jews that is, their duty, the, the Gentiles, that's us, is also to minister to them, the Jewish people, in material things. So uh, let, let's, let's check out some, I hope we got this on PowerPoint. What riches came to the Gentiles because the Jewish people stumbled over the stumbling stone, which was Jesus of Nazareth. They stumbled over Jesus. We know that. The Jews stumbled over Jesus. They, when you watch The Chosen, you can see that. So the first one, the, the riches of the, of the Gentile believers, is this one. As Gentiles, just tell me if this is going up. As Gentiles, we receive the unsearchable riches of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did that go up? Next. That's all right. He's done a fantastic job, by the way, crammed him with stuff. Two, we receive the riches of the blessings of Abraham, which n n now know no measure and have no limit. These are the riches that we, we have as Christians. We receive the riches of faith by which the treasure of heaven are made possible to each of us. Let's hand out the communion while we do that. 
Also, what are these riches are about? We receive the riches of repentance through each of us becomes a child of God. Also, we receive the riches of His love, joy, and eternal peace in the Holy Spirit. Also, we receive the riches of salvation by grace through faith. Can I get an amen? We receive the riches of adoption and the riches of being heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So, the riches that came to the Gentiles because the Jewish people stumbled over their identity, over the identity of Jesus Christ, are without limit and beyond even knowing. Life from the dead, Romans eleven fifteen. Let's pray this about Israel. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? So if Israel, and it will, the word will be, word will be fulfilled, Israel will be saved en masse. And from that resurrection from the dead. Let's pray that short video of that uh, ISIS um, militant who had an encounter with God, if we can play that. The moment I felt a touch on my left shoulder and a voice that says, I forgive you. And uh, <laughs> they didn't understand. Just turn it up. I did not understand uh, what, how could that be possible? Because, because I heard Allah is forgiving and merciful, but we cannot know His forgiveness till the day of judgment. So I said, who are you that forgives me? And I feel forgiven today. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I did not understand what that means because I had never heard those words. So I said, what is your name? And he said, Jesus Christ, the living God. I fell up to the floor. The moment I felt a touch on my left shoulder and a voice. Romans 11:15. I'll read that scripture again. If they're being, if they're being, the Israelis being cast, the Jewish people being cast away, is the reconciling of the world. What will their acceptance be but life from the dead? You know, you know the um, Ezekiel 37, the dry bones that were dry because for a long time the Jewish people were uh, down and out for 2,000 years. And God commanded Ezekiel to prophesy to the dead bones and instantly he obeyed the voice of the Lord and obedience is better than sacrifice and the valley of dry bones uh, began to come together miraculously as Ezekiel spoke then came the sinews the flesh the skin and those bones stood up an exceedingly great army um, this scripture Romans eleven fifteen, is talking about yes Israel has a national uh, resurrection in 48 they were declared a nation but the prophecies in the Bible declare a national spiritual resurrection. And that hasn't happened yet. That's why we pray that 21 days uh, around Easter time. And, and that's going to happen. They're going to rise from the dead. Israel, Israel is going to rise from the dead of their dead situation. The valley of dry bones. Israel will be reborn. And, uh, and that's what we're all awaiting. Um, count on it it's going to happen <laughs> yeah. count on it god's love for israel and the jewish people is boundless for the patriarch's sake the spiritual awakening which is very clearly predicted by ezekiel is now beginning and will soon explode into a global reality it is god's time to pour out the spirit of grace upon the house of israel and the jewish people um Kirli Lowe, she's a great writer Kirli Lowe, god in the city pastor tim Lowe's. Uh, uh, wife and she's got a beautiful gift with words she said she woke up with Psalm 136 and be just before we go to the communion in Psalm 136 she said in the Passion Translation this Psalm is titled His Tender Love and that's why I put that video up something in the phrase ministered to the healing and hope to my heart heavy with the violence taking place in the Middle East as we gaze at world affairs, let's not lose our gaze on the tender love of Christ. As you hold that communion, 
He gave up his own life on the cross and his blood cries out for mercy for all mankind. There is no doubt that Israel is precious and set apart in the heart of God and that God will fight for her existence and prosperity. As Christians, we're all called to pray for the grace of Jerusalem and the protection of her borders and her people. But as with many, including many Jewish friends, our hearts ache for the people of Gaza. So we pray that through the streets of Israel and Palestine, as the blood of Jesus cries out for mercy, Hebrews 12, 24, that the tender love of God would reach hurting and desperate hearts. Let miracles be seen in Israel and Palestine. Let's all stand. God bless you as we, we do this. I just feel to do that. As the Lord comes to rescue of all those that call upon him, and as wars continue to rage, let's remember that his kingdom is not of this world. John 18, 36 declares that. And there is an eternal hope through the death and resurrection of Jesus, praying for his tender love to be expressed in the Middle East. My dad was in that flying fortress, a Lancaster plane. His role was to fly out over the Mediterranean and spy out the Jews that were coming in from Europe because they had been so traumatized, they actually were fleeing to Israel. And my dad's job as uh, looking down, giving coordinates for those ones that needed rescuing. It's in my blood to speak this stuff. I just feel it. My dad served in Egypt, Palestine, in the Middle East. I just really feel that this church is called to boldly take a stand in these days. We're hiding so much stuff. I used to visit my mate in the early 70s. His father had been the Vietnam War. And he led me into his lounge room. No one was there. And he said, check this out. He pulled the painting back and there was a, a big hole in the wall. He said, that's where my dad punched a hole in the wall. I went, whoa. I didn't grow up in a home like that. I said, what's the matter? Oh, dad hasn't been the same since he came back from the war. You can hide things, you can, you know, and the Christian church has hid things. And we've been prattling on about a lot of self-help teaching and getting you blessed. And, but I think it's time to reach out beyond to your neighbor. Pull over to the 98-year-old Peru, Peruan woman. Bless her with a gaze. Just say this, bless you. Bless you. Just that can make someone's day those little faces of the daughters well in their 50s each uh, each one of them just they came alive that little configuration of a family they just he said bless our words are powerful they will not return void Isaiah 55 God is calling you to pray God is calling you to be intimate with God we take this communion we take the bread the body that was broken for our bodies to be healed, for the body, the body of the world. Can we have that song? Just, just put that song. I listen to. I've been listening to this song. I just need some. Oh, I hope that's it. No. We take this emblem, represents your body, Lord. That was broken for us. I actually leaned up again. Where gee, there's 17, help me, 14 or 17 stations where Jesus pulled up at certain moments. They call them stations when you go to Israel and you do your tour. They'll show you where Jesus stumbled, where he fell. And one place where he stumbled, he reached out and touched the wall, the stone wall. Well, that piece of wall is still there in one of those narrow lanes in Jerusalem and it's so smooth because everyone's been touching it but it's just protruding out from the, the, the newish wall but that wall I touched and I thought this is so real this is not Christian religion this is the son of the living God who came to demonstrate to us what was hidden in the Old Testament has been revealed in the New Testament. Folks, no excuses. Jesus, the Word, came, personified, showed us God incarnate. God incarnate showed us the way 
the truth, the life. Touch that militant ISIS leader on the shoulder. He had an encounter with God. I pray you would have an encounter with God for Israel and for all that's happening in the Middle East and you would begin to pray and be blessed to be a blessing. Let's take that bread together. We are one body, humanity. Those people in Gaza Strip that are angry, they've been brutalized, traumatized by all that war we feel for them. They're not our enemy. They are caught up in a diabolical plan of Satan to take Jerusalem and to extinguish God's people, His chosen apple of His eye people, the people of Israel. And I declare we stand with them and we pray with them and we uphold them in our hearts at our dinner tables when we pray with our children that need to understand maybe a little bit of, of what's happening. So with this juice that represents the blood for the forgiveness of the sins, I pray for the most staunchest Hamas leader to be saved through forgiveness and reconciliation of Christ's blood. And we take that in consideration of that, that we want our enemy blessed. We want them saved. We want Israel saved. And in the name of Jesus, we declare it with the Christ's blood right now. Amen. As this IDF soldier, he was literally in the full, you know, the full outfit. And he's doing a live, modern life, isn't it incredible? He's doing a live telecast. And he's saying, look, we're here. We've got to go. We've got to do this. 300,000 conscripts, volunteers going to go into Gaza. They're going to basically rip out the Hamas. They're going to blow up their tunnels and their infrastructure. But he said this, and my last scripture, Isaiah 51 verse 12, I even, I, and he quoted it, he wasn't reading it, he just said this, I even I am he who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid of man who will die and of the son of man who will be made like grass? Romans eleven twenty six. we declare it together. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sin. Oh, Psalm 14 verse 7. I might as well give you the very last scripture. Oh, that this salvation of Israel would come out of Zion when the Lord brings back the captivity of his people. Let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. And I'll say it again in case you missed it. Oh, that the salvation of Israel would come out to every nation of the earth, that it would come out to the highways and the byways, the cities and every village and every marketplace, every city, New York, ah, France, England. Lord, let that salvation go out and cause a worldwide revival, we pray. And the saints say, and the saints say, and the saints say amen. If we can sing something just for a couple of moments. Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. Thank you. Thank you for listening.